Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars study a scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm your host, John Drury. I'm discipleship pastor for Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. We hope that Fresh Text will be edifying and and enjoyable for any listener, Uh, but we think it would hopefully be equipping for pastors or teachers who might be preparing sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks or whenever they happen to drop in on this episode. So my guest this week is Colleen Durr. Uh, Colleen is the president of Wesley Seminary, connected here to Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And though Wesley Seminary is located in Marion, Indiana, has students uh, all over the country and all over the world. It's predominantly online in its educational model. And so uh, it's available to anyone. Definitely check it out if you're looking for uh, seminary studies. That is where I used to teach for about a decade. We actually do a little reminiscing about that in here because she and I came up together as as faculty members there years ago. And uh, yeah, she's on the show here. She's been on a number of times. I usually have her on every Easter. We kind of have just a tradition that kind of emerged organically of her being our Easter guest. But as you'll hear in uh, later in the show, uh, Psalm 98 is a very special psalm for her, and that came to mind when I was planning out the schedule and thought, oh, I got to have her on. We had some uh, production uh, delays uh, because of some illness on Todd and I's part. So we're, we're actually pushing into Advent. This is technically a reading for an earlier day, but I know a lot of our listeners are not uh, following the lectionary that precisely anyway, so no big deal, I hope, uh, for y'all. Uh, but yeah, she really was uh, jazzed to get to talk about uh, one of these favorite psalms of hers, and I was happy to have her on. So this is actually uh, following for the the first week of Advent. We discussed that a little bit about the season that we're entering in here as we're moving towards Christmas. Uh, so we do hope that you'll uh, enjoy this show. And if you find yourself enjoying it, feel free to pass it on to others. Uh, the easiest way to do that is just press the share button on your podcast player app of choice, and then you can forward it on social media or private message uh, to a friend. Best way for people to get to know about the show is word of mouth that way. So uh, we'd love for you to, to get the word out if, if uh, that comes to mind today. And if you'd like to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text to find ways that you can support the show there. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Colleen. So uh, whenever you're game, go for it with Psalm 98. What translation you got for us today? ESV. Okay. I read this one this week and thought, oh, I like that. So, Couple of choices. Okay. Fine. Yes. Yeah. So the ESV, Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together. Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world 
with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask now that our words and thoughts and the movements of all our hearts, both Colleen and I and all those listening in, would be caught up in the joy of this word, uh, that you would put a new song in our hearts, that we would participate in the praise that all creation gives you. Uh, whatever our mood may be, we might not be in a praising mood, uh, but nevertheless, all of creation is praising you. And so may we hear that call and find ourselves offering you a new song in view of what you have done and who you are and what you're about to do. So, Father, stir in us this, uh, this faithful joy and this, this hope. We ask this all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, Psalm 98. What do you notice uh, today? What's sort of standing out to you? Well, interesting, in your prayer, I said, why do I like this psalm so much? And in your prayer, even if we don't feel joyful, and when you read the psalms, so many of them are lament. <laughs> and maybe it's the, the reality we still find ourselves in after, you know, two and a half years of lament. But it's common for us to feel at home sometimes in those psalms. And this psalm is this beautiful reminder of, oh my goodness, look at all that we have to sing about. That doesn't nullify the lament. That doesn't nullify the challenging psalms that say, my enemies surround me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but even in spite of all of that, I'm going to sing a song to the Lord for the marvelous things he has done. And so the role that this psalm plays, and of course, when you read the psalms, through consecutively to be able to come upon this one. And I think it's 96 that starts similarly. Again, it's this reminder of, um, no, you have a, you have a reason to sing. There is a reason to be joyful. Even if you're not happy, there's a reason to be joyful. So I love that about this song that it plays, can play that role for us. Yeah. I like that you bring in the relationship to the rest of the Psalter. I mean, we don't always have to go there on the show, but sometimes when we do, it's very helpful. I mean, the Psalms, most of them have a history that predates the collection, right? So, right. so it stands alone. We can interpret it, but this one does stand in a unique place. I mean, we're just a little bit past halfway yeah. and there are laments in the back half, but the percentage goes down. So the, right. the emphasis moves towards more and more praise and even more, not just you have a lot of Thanksgiving Psalms in the first half of the Psalter that are giving thanks for a specific, you know, he saved me specifically. Right. Whereas this one is a little bit more general, a little more universal, just it's more, more towards a praise than a, although there seem, there may be inciting incidents that we might discern, but yeah, I was thinking about this because 88, you know, art ends really dark. Yeah. Darkness is my only friend. And then there's this turn to some of these long Psalms Although 89 starts with, I will sing, I will sing, but in the singing there is the narration. So it's definitely giving the story of Israel in 89. Right. And then 90 and 91 are sort of recognized. There's a little bit of lament there, but also some hope coming through a petition. And then you're right. 92 says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. That's 92. 
93 is the Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He's put on strength. So, and then 94, O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth, rise up. So here you get a request. But then 95 is, O come, let us sing to the Lord, right? Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. 96, O sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. I mean, that in a way, that one line summarizes the whole psalm that we have, 98. 97, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many coastlands be glad, and then ours, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. And then that continues, let the Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble, 99, 100, make a joyful noise. So we're, we're clearly moving a strong praise trajectory, this whole section that we're in. And of course, you know, we're anticipating the way that the the whole Psalter comes to a close with just these pure praise Psalms. I I couldn't help but think about Psalm, you know, 48, 49 and 50 because of the, when you were reading and hearing you describe the instruments, Uh the listing of instruments that anticipates (laughs) that pure praise that we bump into at the end. So, yeah. So even when you're not in the mood and yet, even though the Psalter itself has just come out of lament and recognizes that and still dips back there occasionally. Yep. Praise starts to get the upper hand around this portion of the psal- the Psalter as a whole. Yeah. And as you were reading through the synopsis, the start of each of those Psalms leading up to it, there are pieces of it. And it's like this Psalm is takes the highlights of all of those and in a very abbreviated. So it talks about singing. It talks about um, the, the rejoicing. It talks about the judgment and it talks about all the earth. So it brings all of those pieces together. List those again. So we've got the the singing, the singing, the, the judgment, the judgment, the all the earth, right? The all the earth, and the the joyful noise, making a joyful noise. Okay, yeah, yeah. So kind of piecing all those together. Yeah, in a, in a relatively short psalm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's only nine verses. Yeah, and really, basically, I don't know. I mean, this doesn't always work out so well, but it really does break into. Those nine verses do correspond loosely to three sections, wouldn't you say? Like yeah. one oh, through absolutely. three. Yeah. The new song and the references to God's action as faithful and righteous. What he's done. That's mm-hmm. his work, right? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Th- verse two, the Lord has made known his salvation. He's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. I mean, that could fit a lot of things, but I mean, you think back to Exodus or right. the or the initial defeating of the the nations right in the conquest of the promised land he's remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of israel then the anticipation of the last section all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our god and then you're right 4 through 6 then is the is the focus on the the sort of human right response liturgy yeah this in in response to this this is how we now yes in this, in this moment so this is the in the moment in response to who he is and what he has done. Oh boy, I'm seeing a pattern. You're are you kind of suggesting the first kind of looks back? Yeah. The middle section is now our response as the people of God. And then seven through nine is looking forward, isn't it? Yes. Oh man, how did I miss that? So obvious now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because because it switches to these jussives, these, these let it be so that, you right. know. Right. Let the sea roar. So it talks about all of creation now joining in on the praise, but it's inviting it. Yeah. And then a reference to the Lord who's still to come, the Lord who's coming to judge. Right. To make things right. 
set the house in order. And of course, in the the circular understanding of scripture, the connection of Genesis to Revelation, verse three is also prophetic, right? So it's it's also, and why I like the ESV is the word salvation repeated three times in the first three verses. <laughs> That's why I liked this translation, which is he has brought their salvation and he will bring our salvation. Both of those things are really happening in the first three verses. And so the looking, the messianic as well. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, the language is all sort of backwards in focus, but it is salvation three times. Because you're right, the language of salvation is kind of located in a past word, past direction here. Right. And the, the hope of future salvation is, is connected to the notion of judgment. Judgment. Which, which is salvation. That's good news. God's making the world right. Not just rescuing the needy, because in some ways salvation is rescue. Right. But if it's, you just are going to have to rescue them again if you don't ever, <laughs> if you don't ever make the world just, right? Right, right. Yeah. So you, you just love the circular. The front connects to the back. I see that. Yes, yes. That is cool. All the ends of the earth, verse three, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Right, right. Verse nine before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. So you get this earth connection. First, the earth bears witness to the salvation, the rescue that God has given to his people. But then there's a time when the earth will be the whole world, the whole of the earth is gathered and made right. Yeah. So you've got these three movements of time, historic, current, future. And then you've got the movements of personal, corporate, global. Also, okay, walk, walk me through that. So, when you read it, you can't help but read it personally, right? And Israel is personal. That's the local, the, the personal connection. But then it's this make a joyful noise with instruments. Like you, now you get this image of corporate because you can't make the joyful noise described in four through six alone personally. That's the corporate praise. And so it, it expands it, right? And then seven to nine, now it's not even just people and nations. It's the whole earth. Even nature is joining in. And so that global expansion. Yeah. So it's both all other peoples, but also all of creation. All of creation. Because, yeah. you know, four through six, I could do four through six with, you know, my all, like my little in group, right? right? You, you could right. have a, a, a narrower community could practice four through six. And in times of exile, that would be very encouraging to be reminded that, okay, you still gather in synagogue, you still praise, but you're living under the hope that all the nations praise and all creation even and praises. all creation, yeah. Well, that's good. Well, let's take a quick break and come back and explore this some more. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Colleen Durr, and we're looking at Psalm 98. Psalm 98. When I was prepping, even before I was prepping, when I was just uh, putting the schedule together, I was filling out the last couple weeks because we're right here at the end. We've been doing Psalms all year. We actually had some production hiccups because of both my producer and I, Todd and I, were both ill. And so we actually pushed back a little. So this is actually even going to drop the first week of Advent. So we're kind of wrapping up our psalms, but I already have this book. So I, and this and this psalm is so special. The moment I saw ninety eight, I was trying to remember. Oh yeah, ninety eight. Let me go look that up. And I look it up, and is this opening line? 
sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things. And I'm like, oh, this is like Colleen's favorite psalm, or at least one of her favorite psalms. It's even like written up on the wall in the seminary where you're president. And I was like, we've come on this kind of unplanned uh, tradition of having you on for the Easter uh, <laughs> episode. So I thought I'd break or expand the tradition a little bit and say, oh, let's have her on again and do 98 because it's such a special psalm for her. But I mean, I have little bits and pieces, but I'm not entirely fully in the know of why this psalm has such a special place in your heart. So would you be willing to share a little of your own history with this psalm? Yeah, absolutely. And it actually, when it became really a, a central driving force in my life was when I was asked to step into this role as president of Wesley, which you know, and those close to me know was, was not a position I sought, but was a position that came to me. And I've been honored to serve in it since 2017. But you know, I love the Psalms. The Psalms of Ascent are actually really my favorite uh, to dwell in. But this Psalm has always been special, <laughs> perhaps because it's only nine verses. <laughs> but the recognition that there are things that we have been handed, that it didn't begin with us. There wasn't this initiation, this launch with us, that we have been handed an incredible heritage, which has been frankly, in front of my face my entire life, that I have been handed uh, this incredible heritage, both personally, through our family's story, uh, denominationally, through our denomination's story, but as a believer, this heritage that has been handed to us. And we we sometimes judge God based on what he's currently doing in our particular lives. <laughs> and uh, it, for me, this psalm is a wonderful reminder in the moments when he's silent, in the moments where he's not answering the prayers in the way we would have chosen for him to answer, that he has done marvelous things and he is marvelous. So for me personally, it's this in the the challenging moments of life, the moments where I don't fully understand what is going on or what is happening and perhaps don't even value in the moment what is happening. This has always been the psalm that spoke to me. It was, it's like the Lord reminding me of who he is. And so this has felt, always felt like the psalm that he intended for, for me, which is so egocentric. <laughs> <laughs> and, occupational hazard <laughs> but that that's the meaning that it historically has had for me and so when i stepped into this role at wesley and looking at you know my inauguration and you you know what is going to be the theme verse at all it was the obvious one for me because it had been that for me through years and once again the lord asking me to step into a role that i knew i wasn't qualified for that i knew i'd be way over my head with that I knew would impact and adjust my life. And John, you're a very good friend of mine. So, you know, I value comfort and simplicity. And I knew this job would not offer either of those things uh, to my life. So stepping into this role and saying, okay, Lord, this has been your promise to me in the difficult moments. This is going to be your promise to me in this moment of unknown. You have done marvelous things. And in the seminary, you have done incredibly marvelous things, and I'm going to choose to sing. And it's going to be a new song because I don't sing like the people who have led the seminary before me. So it's going to naturally be a new song because I'm a different leader. 
But you've done marvelous things and you will do marvelous things. We trust that. I'm trusting that. And so so it was me grabbing hold of this promise that the Lord had given me in the past and and has shown me and reminded me who he was at moments when I needed to hear it. And me almost saying back to him, okay, Lord, <laughs> you've done marvelous things. You're not going to let me down, right? <laughs> you've given me this opportunity and uh, there's got to be a marvelous thing in store because of it. And he has been faithful. And I can say six years later, we're still singing a new song. And that that's part of our faith life, isn't it? That's the the spiritual transformation as well that we go through, is that there are moments where we hit the valleys spiritually. There are moments when we hit the challenging spots. There are moments when uh, the temptation comes or the disappointments come. And we need to be reminded of the marvelous things and choose to sing a new song. And say, okay, Lord, you're not going to continue to work in my life this way, or you're not going to continue to have me continue to live out my call this way. There is a new thing, and I'm going to choose to sing the new song. And so at the moment where I wrote it on the walls in the seminary and in my office, it was the, this is a new day. This is a new moment for me, for the seminary. And we're going to trust. We're going to trust because you have been faithful. That's another thing I say often. He has been faithful. He will be faithful. We can count on it. We can depend on it. And so this psalm says that for me. And he has proven it in nearly 60 years. He has proven it over and over again to be true. Yeah, that backward and forward motion in the opening line, like we said, there's a backwards focus in the opening stanza. And I think that's true. But the new song phrase is already foreshadowing the the middle stanza, right? That's looking to the present tense, the new song. I have this memory of, tell me if this rings a bell. I remember it being a great exercise and I would recommend it to our listeners in any leadership settings that you might be in. We did this, especially during leadership transition times. We did this exercise as a team where we said, um, we started with, you know, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things. I say, okay, what are the marvelous things? Like, let's just remember, let's recount specifically in this organization. What are some stuff that's already in place? And then even highlighting, what are some things we want to continue to make sure continue to be placed? Even if some of these are things we're grateful for, even if they, if they recede into the past now, I think it was like before lunch and after lunch kind of, which was a good move on, but, and then we like came back from lunch and it was like, okay, what's the new song? What are some new things? Maybe, maybe ideas that you've had that you've kind of tucked away that are time to kind of, to bring forth and consider or some old practices that need to be grieved and let go of, uh, even though they were part of that marvelous thing. And I, I, I don't know for sure, but I can feel the exile or post-exile, even if you're in Israel, energy in this psalm. I don't know for a fact historically, but it's later. Generally, later in the Psalter tends to be a little later historically. It's not precise, but I mean, you can feel this kind of sense. Like on one level, the psalmist, like if you just watch the grammar of it, nothing great or it's at least at best neutral. What's happening right now <laughs> is kind of either neutral or bad. Right, right. God has done this awesome stuff in the past. Wow. We're grateful for that. And we keep going back to that. And we're in a section of the Psalm here. That's doing a lot of remembering, a lot of looking back. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then this future 
anticipation of this great, and like you said, even though the language of Messiah is not there, it has some of the same messianic energy that some of those passages in Jeremiah, Isaiah, Zechariah have, or this kind of the coming to judge and the, all the creation. So there's this, this, the hope is even expanding. It's beyond, because it, it's not saying restore us. Let's just get our temple and our king back and go, let's just do the old ancient we Israel thing. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. not the energy of this psalm. The energy of this psalm is we're between the great acts of God in the past and a very different great act of God that's still to come. And what is our responsibility in the middle of that? It's not only praise, but praise is at the heart of that. And even literally, not just like the figure of speech of a new song of doing new things, but just literally singing, like the responsibility the church has to sing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. No, that's it. And, and that is very much the exercise we did that helped us capture because you have to do that. You have to personally and organizationally and, and within the church, we have to have these moments where we we remember to celebrate, but also then to say, and there's a deliberate letting go because you know that the Lord is calling you to something other. And so even in the celebrating, there's the lament of having to let go, but recognizing that, boy, look at what he did. We can trust that he is going to do something incredible as well. And it's going to move us in a different direction, but it's going to be towards this all the earth reality. And how amazing that we can get caught up in that. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to go through that kind of a process. And I was there when you came on as a leader at the seminary or moved from faculty to president. And of course, as a lot of our listeners know, I was at the seminary for a decade and now I'm in a different position working in the spiritual formation office at the college that's connected to the seminary here in town in Marion. And it's it's been so... I know for me, and I'm just doing this because I, I think a lot of our listeners are in transition, right? I mean, they, they talked about the the great resignation. I it was it was both. I felt very both seen and also annoyed to be a statistic uh, when I you know discovered like, but it was like all of my friends, you know, were all around late. 30s, we're still early 40s. unique, John. So yeah. You're still- <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe not though. But this idea that you know, just a lot of people. COVID had this way of kind of accelerating transitions that may have happened anyway for other reasons. It just kind of forced a lot of questions. How do I really want to spend my days? And and I've been having to do a lot of this, this work of he has done – and because the temptation, the temptation is to say, now I'm doing the Lord's work. Yes. The old thing was all bunk. That's very tempting. Yes, yes. Um, or to get reversed, to get stuck and always questioning like, oh, now I'm – I just need to get back to the old thing. No, right. Back to that good life that was the good thing. Why and regret and so to this this double sided sing the Lord a new song for He's done marvelous things is just crucial in times of transition. Yes, to say no that this was this marvelous thing that He did that I was got to be a part of in my case for for a decade and got to be there almost at the very beginning of the founding and be on that journey. But I'm singing a different song now, but it's not, it doesn't require a kind of setting aside of the past and leaving it behind or re- letting regrets or resentments, you know, or second guessing kind of get the upper hand. Right. So for anyone who's in either leading a transition from your story or themselves actually undergoing a transition in terms of leadership, I feel like I know it's just one little verse, but it captures the energy of the entire psalm that looking back, looking forward and kind of being in this in between place. 
Yep. Which is usually a place where that place needs to be filled with praise, not filled with letting, again, all the second guessing or resentments or worries, you know, get the upper hand. And what we've discovered is that people tend to think the negative. (laughs) So if you are transitioning, if if there's a leadership transition, uh, people tend to think, what's wrong? (laughs) There might not be anything wrong. Uh, The Lord is just getting ready to do a new thing. And uh, Pastor Steve Deneff, I I attend College Wesleyan, shared a couple of weeks ago, uh, living into the call is about living into the flow of his grace and and going where the the river of his grace takes you right and that's being open and, and in constant communion with him uh so you sense it and you're aware and so it doesn't mean that where you were like you said was wrong or or that it was so good it'll never be good again it's neither of those we can rejoice about that and we can rejoice about what's coming whether we know what's coming or not in the Lord's economy, rarely do we know what's coming before he's asked us to let go of where we're at. Rarely. Yeah, there's usually that intermediate space where we learn to be thankful, where we learn to praise him for who he is and what he's done and are released because that's those are those wilderness times between one season and another. Yes. When a lot of the stripping happens, when a lot of the attachments are the disordered attachments get reordered. Right. And rely all the more on God. So, yeah. Well, that was fun. I I don't know if I had it in mind. It was probably in my heart without me realizing it. But it wasn't in mind when I booked you on that I'm like, hey, let's spend the whole middle segment like reminiscing and talking about our (laughs) careers and all that jazz. But I I mean, for a lot of our listeners, I mean, you know, these are the these are the kinds of their own versions of these kinds of experiences they undergo. And I think this psalm has a lot to say to that in a way that's not obvious on the the surface, but when you spend some time with it, it stands out. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break and come back and explore some sermon starters. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, Colleen Durr, and we are looking at Psalm 98. Uh, Unless I am mistaken, Our schedule has us, uh, this is our second to last psalm. Uh, We got one more dropping next week, and then we'll have a transition to to, um, a new year with a new focus uh, for a while. Um, We'll have some readings from Matthew later this month. Um, But I mention that now because this is dropping right in the transition into Advent. And so I think this is this also works really well as an Advent psalm. Absolutely. It both looks back and looks forward. So I wanted to highlight that and then read it one more time so it's fresh in our ears. And then maybe just talk a little bit about what this psalm might have to teach us about this particular season of Advent. So yeah, here goes. This is, this is Robert Alter's translation one more time. So sing to the Lord a new song for wonders he has done. His right hand gave him victory and his holy arm. The Lord made known his victory. Before the nation's eyes, he revealed his bounty. He recalled his kindness and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout out to the Lord, all the earth. Burst forth in glad song and hymn. Hymn to the Lord on the lyre and on the lyre with the sound of hymning. With trumpets and the sound of a ram's horn, sound loud 
before the King, the Lord. Let the sea in its fullness thunder. Let the world and those dwelling in it. Let the rivers clap hands. Let the mountains together sing gladly before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He judges the world in justice and peoples righteously. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I, I just noticed altered chose the word victory to translate yes. the word uh, for salvation. salvation. There, it's, yeah, it's it's the standard salvation word, uh, you know, Yasha, which is the root word for the name Joshua or Jesus. But victory in context, victory does kind of work. But uh, yeah, so what do you think? I mean, wh- whether you're actually preaching directly on the psalm or not, what might this have to say to us about? this kind of Advent season that we're entering into. Any, any thoughts about that? Well, when you, when you said that it'll drop at the start of Advent, I thought, oh, that's lovely because it, there is somewhat of a parallel to Mary's song. And so you can hear some of Mary's song in it, which would be a wonderful connection to make. Of course, she would have known it, right? <laughs> and, and so... For her, what what is she saying in Mary's song, and how does that lay on, on top of Psalm ninety eight, uh, and what the psalmist is doing for us here? And again, it's the it's the looking back, it's the Mary's song. I'm confused, I don't understand, but I'm going to choose to praise and be faithful because I know what you will do. So this Mary's song song has the same uh, flow happening in it. Uh, the looking back, the moment, uh, and the looking forward that Psalm 98 has. And then as well, uh, like you said, the the Isaiah to the ends of the earth, <laughs> you know, that and the Jeremiah language about the coming salvation for the world is so clear uh, in here. And so speaking of the Advent message, it's the bringing the whole of the gospel together. And so it's the Old Testament story, what he has done for Israel and how he made himself known to the nations, what he is doing in our lives in this moment that we can testify to, and what Advent tells us is coming, the coming again, which is the total fulfillment. So we've had the revelation, and the revelation is coming. Yeah, there's a there's an old phrase to refer to. Christ's first advent and his second advent. So, because advent is just a Latin word for coming, adventus, right. uh, to come, to come toward, right? To be present, yeah. to present oneself, translating the word uh, parousia in Greek, hmm. which was a term from, that's why victory is relevant. It's a term for when the, when, when an emperor arrives into a town that he's liberated from enemies. Hmm. So this language of, of Christ. And so, so the calling the season leading up to Christmas, naming it Advent is, is kind of a weird name. Cause on one level, it's sort of reminding us that there was a time when the word had not yet become flesh. There right. was never a time when he was not. I almost accidentally said there was a time when he was not, no, that'd be Arian, <laughs> right? but he, he was the word from the beginning, but there was a time when he had not yet come. He had not yet arrived and this distinction between a first and second advent became sort of essential in the early church in their exegesis of the scriptures because there were so many promises about the Messiah that he didn't fulfill. Right, right, so they right. They had to say, oh, well, he fulfilled some of them when he came the first time and then he'll fulfill the rest, 
right? He fulfilled them in a hidden way now, and then in a in a way that'll be revealed to all the nations in the end. So here's our chance between the first. So in the Advent, we both kind of because it is the end of the year, but it's also the beginning. Oh man, it's so obviously connected to the psalm, right? There's a looking back, the year's coming to a close, and we're thinking of how. What has he done? Yeah, looking back. Yeah. And his greatest advent of all, his, you know, the word becoming flesh for our sakes, but yet in this hidden way that couldn't really be detected by many. And then yet we're also at the same time recognizing we too are waiting for something. It's not like Israel looked forward and the church looks back. No, the church looks back and forward, just as Israel looked back to Exodus and forward to the Messiah, we too look back to both Exodus as well as you know the fulfillment of ex- Exodus in in Christ, and yet we're still waiting for something. It's right. not all settled. There's still this this judgment, this making things right, putting the world to rights. That's still kind of waiting for us. And and how to how to live in that space? Because Advent season preaching can be at worst probably sentimental, but. You know, I mean, but you can also overdo it and kind of be like, oh, it's all about the gloom and doom of the fact that, you know, the second coming is coming. You know, like, I, I mean, I, I don't know if a four week series on like, you know, with a bunch of charts about the second coming is very fitting either. But at the same time, like, it's not just looking back. It's also looking forward and how to kind of capture that in our preaching and on our singing is not always easy. I don't know. I, I've had very churches struggle with catching that kind of balance. A lot of times we think, oh, you're really going to do Advent right. You got to save all the Christmas carols for later and be all dark and a bunch of minor. No, no, people. no. Part the Herald yeah. Angels from the beginning, people. <laughs> <laughs> Join to the world from the beginning. <laughs> hey, actually, you have a pretty strong case on this psalm that, that in the time between, you know, it's appropriate to joy because here they are making a joyful noise. Absolutely. Even when they're in between. He has not yet come in 98. Correct. Psalm 98. He, the, the coming of the Messiah still waits. Right. So this isn't just, uh, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's a really, but, that's really good point. But because we know who he is. We know who he is. And we know what he's promised. So we know it's coming. And so we can sing. Yeah, absolutely. That's the best case for, like, early Christmas carols I've heard in a long time, actually. <laughs> well, I'm glad. <laughs> it's just survived. a sentimental argument. I like them. Because of course there are some beautiful Advent hymns, and I think mixing the two is would yes. be would fit the spirit of the Psalter, right? Yes, so you absolutely. have those minor keys: "O come, O come, Emmanuel." Yep. yep. But you don't have to wait till Christmas to Christmas Day. No. To bring in that praise, we also praise in between. You can even have a really fun service that I mean, you could even intertwine some of these yes. passages and do some songs throughout. I mean, I think it's it's like one of the few seasons of the year when you can bring out some some old hymns and not just have people roll their eyes as old fashioned. Right. If you're in a more contemporary church, definitely get away with some more classic hymns. Although the song, the Psalm also invites us to make a new song. And sometimes we're the most resistant to new music during, (laughs) during Advent and Christmas. Right. Right. Maybe this is the time for a new song. What's the new song, the new way we're going to sing about the coming of Christ. Right. Right. Both his first and his, and his final coming. Right. Wow. Well, if you had some, I mean, anyone listening in, man, if you have any church musicians who are keen on writing, I mean, this would be the, if you're ever preaching on Psalm 98, like you got to have somebody write a new song, even if it's not great, even if it's just a chorus, <laughs> right? True. Even if it's just something simple, because to actually not sing a new song and talk about songs is, would be a real bummer, <laughs> which I guess we're doing, but 
but I have an excuse. I can't write songs. I'm not a musician. <laughs> yeah. And, and what, what I love, and in preaching this psalm, I love how it's personal because it needs to be personal, but it's corporate as well. And it's societal. So you reminisced about the demon that you and I together designed had that movement, right? And this psalm has that movement and to be able to lead your people into it, because we all tend to, like I said, this is a psalm he wrote for me. Um, we all tend to think that like that. So that's our, you know, we go to the ego, uh, centric moment and they, and they need you. They need to have this reflective looking back and being reminded of the marvelous things, no matter what the present moment currently holds. He has done marvelous things in your life over the past year, even if it's been an incredibly difficult one. Um, He's done marvelous things and he is about to do something. You can trust him in that. And so you need to choose to sing in this moment. We need to choose to sing in this moment because he has done marvelous things for us, this community of faith. He has done marvelous things for us and we need to be reminded of that. And he is about to do more marvelous things, something new. And so we choose to sing and then all, and even those are outside of our doors who are from him, he has done marvelous things there too. And what an incredible testimony to the world around our community of faith to be able to celebrate with them the marvelous things and to help them see because culture doesn't attribute to the Lord's faithfulness the good things that that's as the body of Christ, we can help them see that was the Lord's hand, even in your life, even though you don't acknowledge him, he has been faithful and he will be faithful. And we join our voices in singing together the marvelous things with the whole earth. So that's a wonderful exercise that this Psalm provides for us to be able to do with our people. And so at the beginning of Advent, helping them to to get in, in the, the thought process of looking back, looking forward, personally, corporately, societally, looking back, looking forward, and in the midst of it all, thinking. Yeah, no, I I mean, I, f- I feel like the language is kind of coming to me as we speak. It's gratitude and hope. And yeah. between gratitude and hope is praise. Praise. Oh, that's good, John. Yeah. Because in the end, when the future just is the present, Right. All that's left is praise, right? Right. So praise is the present, right? It's just who God is everywhere and always in a kind of timeless alwaysness, right? But then the deep, when we look back, you know, the scriptures invite us to look back with gratitude. And when we look forward, right, it invites us to look forward with hope and an ever expanding hope, not just hope for me and my rescue, though that too. Right. But that the whole of the earth would give praise and that the whole of the earth would be judged, that things that are all the injustices in the world would be made right. Made right. Yeah. He's going to redeem the whole earth. Yeah. And I have a place to play in that making things right in due time. I'll have to be careful about making myself the judge of the world. I definitely can be praising right now. Yes. And in the praising redeeming happens. Yeah. Yeah, so gratitude, gratitude for our past, hope for the future, hope for the future praise. and praise in the present. I mean, that whether that's a three-point really sermon or not, at least it's the structure, it's the flow, it's the grace flow that we're identifying in the text, however that plays out in a sermon or a teaching. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. 
Yeah, well, you helped me figure it out. This is how this is how it works. It all comes out of conversation, right? <laughs> That's right. I mean, basically, like I want to write, I want to like half a sermon idea and move on every week. And I can't do that unless I talk to my friends. So I have my friends on and we talk about it. And sometimes I'm like, hey, what's your sermon idea? But half the time it's like we work something out together. And yep. I think that's the best. So, <laughs> well, thanks so much. I had a lovely time as I always do with you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me remember and hope and praise. Thank you for letting me do that in this moment. Yeah. Well, thank you for the time. Thank you uh, to to Todd Narek for the production work. Can't imagine doing the show without you. Thanks to Tom for donating the theme music. Uh, thanks to all the supporters of the show, um, especially our uh, patron saints who support the show uh, financially. If you'd like to become one in this Advent season, <laughs> uh, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and see ways that you can support the show there. And with that said, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>